New York Talk, episode 149. I am your host, Elise DeLucci. Welcome to my home on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. I've missed you. How was Thanksgiving for my international listeners? You have not celebrated Thanksgiving. I barely celebrated. I was in Paris. No turkey for me this year, which... We'll talk about the details. If you don't want to hear about all of the painstaking details, don't worry. I'm just giving you the abridged version. Fact of the day. The Louvre Museum in France, in Paris, has had the Mona Lisa on display. Wait, you'll die. Since 1797. 1797. Yeah. Now, it's fun. That's the most famous painting in the world. I didn't realize that, but it is. And they didn't tell me that. I, you know, I was Googling before, of course. Um, I, it, you know, I mean, I guess it depends on what your interests are, but more famous than, I guess, The Scream, more famous than Starry, Starry Night, uh, you know, I mean, blah, 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 right? Um, back in World War II times, I do know this, that uh, right before the Germans occupied Paris, they took out all of the invaluable artworks. I'm assuming this included the Mona Lisa. And they took them out of the city and they stored them at a warehouse uh, in the suburbs, in the countryside somewhere. They don't say suburbs. Isn't that funny? The countryside somewhere. So uh, we, thankfully, you know, can all still enjoy this piece of art. And we went there and it was amazing. And the whole trip was wonderful. So I took my kids to Paris uh, for the Thanksgiving break. It's hard when you have kids to go away, you know, because, um, you know, you, you you have options to go away during the summer months. And, of course, you know, Christmas time because they're off. But it's, it's difficult to do those big kind of trips because um, they get maybe bookend days. So I did take them out of school for a couple of days. But you want to know what? I felt like it's fine. They're going to learn more in Paris than they are probably in the last day or two before Thanksgiving sitting in the classroom in New York City. Just my personal opinion might be unpopular. No offense to any teachers listening. But the trip was wonderful. So we stayed at uh, Hotel Raphael. And by the way, this is, again, abridged version of the trip. Hotel Raphael in the 16th arrondissement. Uh, I recommend staying in this kind of area. Let me tell you why. So if you go to Paris, um, you might want to jot some of this stuff down. You can obviously DM me. I'm happy to tell you. But a lot of people go to Paris and they, like New York, right? They want to stay right in the center of the city. It's like coming to New York and you want to stay in Times Square or something. I couldn't think of anything worse, okay? Why would you do that to yourself? Tourists and pickpocketers and horrors and and all kinds of, you know, just things all over the place. I, I don't want it. I don't want it. I wanted to stay in a place in the city that wasn't directly in the center but uh, felt like a little bit of a refuge. After a busy day, we can go back, whatever. So the 16th arrondissement has local Parisians that live there and also um, some businesses. So Hotel Raphael is right next door to the peninsula. So listen, if you don't know, you know. If you want to find out where a great location is, look where the fancy hotels and restaurants are and then go in that area. I used to have a friend, by the way, who her job was to scout locations for a high-end store. 
And um, I thought it was so interesting. And, and she had told me a lot about that. So anyway, but but this is not how I came across Hotel Raphael. Um, a friend that works at uh, Condé Nast had said, this is a great place to stay. It's been around forever. It's gorgeous. It's five-star, which everything in Europe is five-star, and it winds up, winds up being three, four. Maybe it's five. It doesn't matter. I don't care. Um, I got a deal on it, okay? Uh, it was it was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. If you look at the lobby, it's stunning. Uh, we had a beautiful room. It was a big room. That was another uh, prerequisite to my trip. You know, anytime you go to a city, obviously the rooms are so goddamn small. I, uh, I, when I went to London last year, you know, I, I wasn't with the kids, but the room, it was like uh, the door and the bed, and then you could roll into the tub and then you could go out the window. It was, it was, it was not good. And I didn't want to do that because with the kids, you know, I want to have some room to run around. So I just got this great deal. It was a big room, 500 square feet. My first apartment in Manhattan was 190 square feet, to give you an idea. So Hotel Raphael was great, um, right next to the peninsula. Every day, little croissants and, you know, went to the, the cafe. And again, none of the tourist nonsense. No one coming over begging for change. I put together a 15-page, because I might be type A personality. I'll let you that, decide that. I put together a 15-page agenda before the uh, trip. Paris is not the easiest city to go to, like New York City, where basically you can land anywhere and find whatever you need, you know, within, uh, you know, maybe a few block radius, right? You have to really plan Paris. If you haven't been, you want to plan it based on arrondissement, which which is what we call a neighborhood, right? So... So I had these, you know, I, I don't know, they think they have 18 around these months, 18 neighborhoods in the city. I wrote down the ones we wanted to visit and then the attractions and stuff we wanted to see in each. And some of them I bought tickets to. Let me tell you, we did a, again, Paris for kids. We did a macaroon making class, a macaroon making class. Three hours, learned how to make macaroons, traditional French macaroons, uh, you know, according to Chef Anne, the teacher, who was referring to them as a macaroon. <laughs> the traditional way, which, you know, of course, I have the stuff to to make them. Am I going to do it? Probably not. It took so long. I mean, you would die, literally. But it was so fun with the kids. Um, we did the macaroon making class. We uh, went to the Louvre, of course. We went to the Natural History Museum, which also has a zoo uh, for kids. What else did we do? Oh, we went on a uh, cheese and croissant and bakery tour, which was great. Um, And then shopped and just walked around. You know, it, it was the first time my daughters have been in a country... Uh, where they don't speak English, so they saw mommy, you know, trying to get by with with the very bare bones French and Google Translate, um, and they got to see a, a real hustle bustle of another city because you know the tooth, his family, they're in Wales, you know, which is the real the real real countryside. Um, it was it was great, it was totally great. I walked, we walked all over the place. I didn't take the subway though. I will say. 
the last time I was in Paris, I took the metro, blah, blah, blah. I didn't do that this time. Um, we took a lot of cabs. So we spent on the cabs and whatnot. We went to the Marais district, which is like the equivalent of Soho, uh, Saint-Germain, which I'm probably butchering that. Um, the If you go ever, or you're planning, Lay Foodist, L-A space Foodist, is a website where you can book in advance cooking classes. And uh, a, a mom friend in New York told me about it, and that's how I found this, this class and da-da. And you could do macaron and, and, and baguette making and croissant making, and it was great. Of course, you know, by the way, when I was booking this in New York, a few weeks before I went, my grandmother was like, you could do all that stuff at home. Why bother to go to Paris? And yeah, you're right. I could take a pastry making class in Manhattan and maybe I will one day, but it's something to do. Anyway, she was very, very anti me going, as was my mother. I had a total nervous breakdown the first couple days, but that's, oh, please. Not in front of the kids, like at night when after they were sleeping by myself. Um, the other thing that I wanted to tell you is not only in Paris, but there's a website, if you don't know it, called getyourguide.com. And, um, I've used it to lots of places that I went. And you could book, again, in advance tickets to the museums and experiences. I think like the Get Your Guide. I think I booked the the cheese and bakery tour. Just an FYI, if you do travel, the prices on Get Your Guide, you know, obviously are higher than what you pay. I was able to buy tickets for the Louvre, you know, on this Get Your Guide, like two kids tickets and an adult ticket, whatever. I didn't because the price was so ridiculous. And I just thought something doesn't make sense here to me. I think the museum tickets on this Get Your Guide, it was like $60, a 60 euro for an adult. And then it was like another 30 each for the kids. And I was like, I don't know, you know, you go around New York City, the museums, a lot of the museums are pay what you wish or pay what you can, make a donation. I was like, something's a little fishy, you know? This is when you use your street smarts, okay, right? This is when you, and thank God I didn't book and waste all that money because we went to the Louvre and it was 17 euro for me and it was free for the kids. You see what I'm saying? You see? Um, it was it was great. So, you know, I went to the supermarket. That's what I did. I love to do that, you know? I've talked about that in the past. I love to visit supermarkets everywhere I go. Um, Monoprix, M-O-N-O-P-R-I-X is the French Target. Like the French Target, they have a big food section, like our Targets do, uh, clothes, the whole bit. So like the first day there, we went to Monoprix and I bought, um, fruits and, and, you know, drinks, water, sparkling water, you know, little crackers and nuts for the kids because, you know they're hungry and at night what you think I'm gonna spend you think I'm gonna spend like whatever it was $20 on a bottle of sparkling water room service get out of here did we get room service <coughs> a couple nights yeah but <coughs> excuse me not I'm not doing that you know when it comes to kids you always need food in your pocketbook anyway mm. did that um went also shopped all over but but like also went to a couple of great stores great stores um 
E. Deloren, I'm probably, again, not saying that right, is my favorite store all in Paris. And it's the store, it's a very famous cooking store where they sell in, like industrial pots and pans and knives and, and whisks and wooden spoons and all kinds of stuff. And I stocked up on these wooden spatulas I like from the store. And I brought some home for the tooth because, you know, he likes them too. And, um, yeah, he became quite the cook. Isn't that interesting for his girlfriend who doesn't even know how to boil water? Any, okay, moving on, moving on. Um, went to E. Delorant, stocked up, loved that store, love it. Uh, and then we also went to Le Bon Marche, which... Le Bon Marche is a department store in Paris, and it's like a hybrid of Bergdorf Goodman and Henry Bendel, if you remember Henry Bendel, and a little bit of Barney's. It's Marche Markets in French is all, it's like a, a gorgeous department store of extremely high-end stuff and all these little like stalls, little whatever, and the vendors selling their own things. And it's not like a market like you're thinking you know it's not like a flea market you know it's it's, it's, it's you know civilized little 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 alcoves right um <clears throat> did i did i buy anything in there no i didn't buy anything in the actual store they have a food they have a, a la bon marche has a food store next door that's like the french equivalent of italy i bought stuff in there for sure but i just i loved going in there because all the stuff was so different just everything because again it's like these indie vendors almost kind of thing fortune a for i mean everything was a freaking fortune there close so uh, we packed very light and we ran out of some stuff like the kids i think ran out of i don't know socks or something and i was like oh of course we went to uniqlo i like uniqlo in new york and uh, we went to uniqlo and um I got socks for them. And I think it was like, I don't know, maybe like 15 euro for a pack of three socks or something. You know, and once you do the exchange rate, I don't know, maybe that, what does that come out to? $20, $21? I don't know. Okay. I don't have my math hat on right now. But what I will say is that the socks are like the same freaking price in dollars in, in the US. So if you're listening and you're not in the United States and you're coming here, bring a empty luggage, please. Because you spend so much money abroad it's it was outrageous um the restaurants were fabulous went to i mean just great like there's two restaurants in paris worth mentioning i don't think really much for the food but for the view giraffe and Gigi. we went to Gigi on thanksgiving italian um only reason why we went was because of the view of the Eiffel Tower. I didn't think the food was that fabulous i did find another italian restaurant though while i was there called domenico's a Sicilian restaurant, which was a little, uh, not hole in the wall, but a little place with like whitewash bricks. Fabulous. I mean, they made this homemade farfalle with pesto and like a pistachio cream that I was dying for. But <clears throat> one of the things I hated while I was there was that even though I was doing all that walking, I couldn't resist all of the bread and the the cheese and the croissants. I just, I ate like a pig. I just pigged out the whole time. And at dinner, I started eating only half and giving half away. I did like a video about it or something. And um, it was fine. 
you know, but that wasn't, listen, if you, if you, if you're shoveling four croissants in your mouth, <laughs> giving away half your bowl of macaroni isn't really going to adjust your waistline. Just a thought. Just a thought. <laughs> so, I, I came home and I was like, oh my God, I need to go on a diet. Like a real diet. Because, you know, when you just, it's not only like my clothes felt tight. My skirts felt tight. My stockings, my tights, you know, I, I wear like stockings and tights like every day in the winter. Um, everything was just tight, tight. And uh, so I, now I'm on this crazy diet. But but I will say overall, it was such a great trip. I was so happy to go. Um, really like a once in a lifetime thing for the kids. My grandmother, you know, she's 93. She's like, they're never going to remember this trip. They're never going to remember. Why waste your money? I, you know what? I actually think they're going to remember. And in the next couple of days, I'm going to like go on Shutterfly or whatever. I said I was almost going to say Snapfish. It's Snapfish still living around. I'm going Shutterfly or whatever, and I'm going to make one of those albums. And we're going to have it. And even if they don't remember, they will be when they're older, they'll be able to look through the albums. And maybe one day when they're older, they'll be able to say, you know what? Look at my mommy, so independent, taking us to Paris. You know, I mean, I get it though. My grandmother, her hearing's going, her her eyesight is going. She just was, you know, she wanted everybody to be home. I get it. Someone asked me though, why did I go to Paris, you know, from the get-go? Why? And I didn't, I, it was a very good friend. Um, so I told her the truth. I mean, I'll tell you. I, you know, it's fine. I, when I came out with my book, which I'm not able to do any uh, promotion for for a couple of reasons, but I, you'll see one day why. Um, but if you were wondering, um, my book um, is came out in I want to say April or May. And by the way, if you bought it and you read it and you liked it, can you leave me a review on Amazon and Barnes & Noble? Just just a thought. Uh, thank you in advance. If you have, and thank you if you did already because I, I think some people did. But uh, the book came out and, you know, my mother read like a page of it like on Kindle or something and like disowned me from the family. The book wasn't even about her. I have this joke and it's like, I don't do it often, but it was like, I don't know. Like I had my, when I had my first daughter, my joke, it's a bit, it's like, you know, something like when I had my first daughter, my mother got postpartum depression. That joke should tell you everything you need to know. But, you know, she thought this book was about her and she, which was, again, it wasn't. And um, it was really about work, to be honest. It was really about work. Uh, but after I wrote it, she said, she had her husband call me up and say, you're no longer welcome to our house. Good for you. I don't even want to go to your fucking house anyway. How about that? You move all the time. She does. She loves to move. It's a whole thing. But that that was what she uh, had said to me. I Or that was the message that I got. And then she decided, they decided to like disappear for like months and months. And some somewhere, maybe, I don't know, that was like in April or May. And then maybe like four months later, I don't know, she decided somehow someone again they reached out to me and they apologized somehow fine I said fine I mean 
What are you going to do? You're going to hold grudges? I'm not doing what they did in the old country. All the Italian people there, they're holding grudges. Like, give me a break. Like, Italian people, they're like, you're dead to me. It's like, not dead in the ground, but you're dead to me. You know, it's like, that's, the, wait, wait, no, what is it? I had, I had a bit about that. It was, it was Italian, Italian people, they say, they're, they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, oh, Gina, she's dead. Gina, she's dead. She's dead. My cousin Gina, she's dead. Not dead in the ground, but she's dead to me. That That's what we do. That's, that's like what we do. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I don't like that. I'm not holding grudges. If you want to have bad behavior, if you want to say whatever you say, if you want to, uh, you know, go around and say, you know, you're not welcome here or this, that, you want to make waves, you want to, that's fine. That's on. That is on you. That is on you because I, I'll take the rejection. I'll stomach the rejection. I'll deal. I'll find the funny in it somehow. I'll bring it to the stage. I don't know. I'll do what I do, right? I'll go to the gym. Okay, that's a lie. I've only <laughs> been to the gym like twice, like twice in the last week or four times in the last two weeks. And now, you know, I'll, I'll work out. I'll, I'll get it up. I'll get it out of my system by working out. Hilarious. But you know what I'm saying? You get the point. If somebody wants to do some shit like that, let them. But my response to that was, okay, you know, fine. And then a week later, I reached back out to my mother's husband. And I don't refer to him as a stepfather because <clears throat> they got married when I was an adult, when I was in my 20s. I mean, technically, as he's my stepfather, yes, but he's also the same age as my boyfriend. Like, it, the whole thing's weird. Anyway, but he's a nice guy, grandfather to my kids, though. So anyway, about a week later, I reached back out to him. I probably text her too, but she never, she makes him deal with all of her stuff, which is terrible because we're, because they're very different and I, it's just terrible. Anyway, I reached out and text them and I said, so what does this mean for the holidays? Again, this is in April, May. And I don't know if I, the text was ignored or if it was met with like a, you're not welcome, like you're not coming to our house kind of thing. So... I had a flight credit and I said, we're going to go away. So I said to my daughters, I said, girls, if you can go anywhere you want to go, like anywhere, where would it be? And these little dolls, these little precious dolls I have, and you know, I'm just so madly in love with them. They said, my mother well, old one was like, mommy, <laughs> I mean, I can't even make this up. I would love to have cheese and baguette in Paris. And I'm just like, what? where does this girl live? Where does she live? And with whom do you live? Because I do not operate like that. Um, and I said, all right, let's go to Paris. Let's do it, baby. Let's do it up. So we did. So I used the flight credit, right? And I got some hotel recommendations and I waited to the perfect date to book the hotel and got it for the cheapest price. And, and I, and that was it. And we had an amazing time. So it was sad, though, because, you know, the tooth and I have joint custody of the children, which means the children spend half the time with him uh, for the holidays, and then, you know, we switch every other. <clears throat> so this was my holiday with him. I mean, with them this year. Um, well, they're always with me, like, for Easter, because he doesn't really celebrate Easter, but that's fine. Um, they're with me for Thanksgiving, and I was upset. Excuse me. <coughs> we couldn't do... The traditional Thanksgiving with the family. 
I think traditions are important for kids. Um, and I grew up like with a lot of traditions, you know. I knew where, what house, whose house we were going to, or my mother was hosting, whatever. Every holiday, I knew, uh, you know, what we were making, what we were eating, what we were making. I knew I'd have to help in the kitchen, would help clean up. I knew how the table was going to be set. You know, you just know. And I love that. I loved that. And that's how I thought it was going to be for me when I had children uh, until it wasn't. And it's really hard, to be honest, to, to, to I don't want to say grow up a certain way and then not have the certain thing, the same thing. Um, but I had an idea of how my life was going to be when I, had, when I became a mother. I had an idea of what like my own mother would be as a grandmother and yes I've made decisions like you know I'm divorced right uh, or I choose to live in Manhattan right because of my job um, so I've made some decisions so I don't live in the exact same place like I'm not raising my kids in a semi-attached house in Staten Island with the Monte Carlo in the driveway like how I grew up but that's fine that shouldn't change like the family the tradition. It shouldn't change like the grandparents' behavior. It should. There shouldn't, in my opinion, be any of this craziness. So, I take. I'll, you know, if somebody says you want to come over, when I when when my family invites me over, I say I usually say okay. You know, with the kids, of course, okay. You know, but I'm not gonna go. I'm not going anymore. If there's gonna be drama, or if you're gonna be like good to the kids and then an asshole to me you know what I'm saying like I'm not I just why would I do that you know anyway anyway that actually comment kind of contradicted I let me say this how could I have if I waited so this happened this has happened by the way in the past through the years when the girls will be much younger than they are now how could I have waited till what the week before Thanksgiving, two weeks before Thanksgiving, and then what? Not know where I'm going, not what know what I'm going to do, not make reservations. Of course not. I'm not doing that to myself. I did. I used to do that with the tooth a thousand years ago. You know, the tooth would be like, listen, if your mother's not going to like want to be around for you know X Y Z holiday, um, let's book tickets to go to Wales to his family. And I would be like, no, we're probably going to, you know, stay. You know, she probably, she'll come around. And then maybe she would be elsewhere, right? And um, maybe that elsewhere was mentally. You know what I'm saying? And and then we would, the tooth and I would be stuck. We've spent many of holidays just as our little family or, you know, doing whatever we were doing. Um, Whatever. Literally, whatever. Here's what I have to say. No family is perfect. And everyone's family has their own fair share of garbage. You know what I'm saying? Should that be a word of the day, by the way? Garbage. Does everybody say that? I don't even know. Every family has their fair share of garbage. Every family has their fair share of grudges. But you, you don't have to do the same thing. You know, like, you don't have to do the same thing. And you could find another way to whatever. I'm not going to walk around like a martyr and be like, poor me. Eh, who cares? I, you know what? You know how I dealt, dealt with it? I was like, well, I'm going to stay at this gorgeous hotel in Paris. And I'm going to eat my heart out in croissants. Which now brings me to the topic of my diet. So, ugh, a few weeks ago, 
not a few, maybe a month ago, I, Paul and I were doing the, uh, you know, the exchange of the, the dolls. And he put on a ton of weight. And he's not like a big guy. He's a marathon runner. He's a runner. He's still usually very fit. And so I saw him and I was like, oh my God, your belly. <laughs> I mean, like, whatever. Who cares? You were, I, was your, I was your wife. I was your wife. I've had your children. Actually, I've had our children. I was your wife and I had our children. I could say that. That's fine. You know, he's all like, oh, what? You know, what? That's so rude. That's so rude of you to say to me. It's like, oh, get over yourself. Fucking take the stick out of your ass. Get over yourself. So, after that, though, apparently he went to the doctor. He went to the doctor. Doctor tells him that he has high blood pressure, high blood pressure, and high cholesterol and high sugar, and he has to make a change to his diet, or he could be at risk to become a diabetic. It is crazy to me to think that he could become a diabetic because he does so much exercise and he's a hiker and a runner and da da. The next time I saw the tooth, like without a jacket on, like he, you know, he was always in his coat, whatever. He had, he looked like a different man. He told me he lost 22 pounds. I was like, how? Basically in a nutshell, he's on like a version of keto. He didn't say keto, but he's only eating uh, protein and berries and nuts and seeds you know like does that not come on like I was like what are you eating he's like seeds like of course you are you're British like, <laughs> like what um berries nuts seeds uh protein no carbs like no carbs like um you know no rice no grains no pasta no, no potatoes none of that uh and he's not having any alcohol uh, and he just dropped 22 pounds and he's walking all over the place he's walking I think like 12,000 steps a day or something Again, very easy in the city. Um, so I was so inspired. I was like, oh my God, I got to do that. So I, I'm on the diet. I'm on the diet. I am in a no meat phase right now. I go through these vegetarian phases, not really more like pescatarian. I've done it my whole entire life, not for any particular reason. I Literally since I was like six, I just sometimes like I can't eat meat, not like my stomach can't handle it. Like I'm like, I'm, I'm just like, I'm like, Ugh, I don't like the taste. So I'm I'm having I'm doing that diet, no carbs, but I am allowing myself to have a little bit more of the cheeses than he's having. Like he's only having like goat cheese, blue cheese, um, I think Parmesan cheese, and maybe a little bit of cheddar because those are like the keto cheeses. I'm allowing myself to have like whatever cheese, not every day, you know, and I'm also allowing myself to have. Like, uh, if I'm out and they was, there was roast, I went out to dinner and they had lemon potatoes at this Greek restaurant I like. Um, I, I'm not, like, I, I had a couple, you know? But I'm not having any bread and I'm not having any rice and anything like that. And I'm not having any pasta. And I've already lost, and I'm drinking a ton of water. I'm drinking like 98, 96 ounces of water a day, like six bottles, six of the, what are they? I don't even have one here. You know, six of the, what are they, the 12 ounce bottles? Um, I lost so far like seven or eight pounds, but I, I, I really like, you know, I put, I plumped up every, every person loses and gains 10, 20 pounds, like this, everybody. It's not, again, it's not that I thought when I looked in the mirror, I'm like, oh, you're so huge. It's not that it has nothing to, it was the fact when the clothes were just, I, 
I can't do it. It's also so hard to be on stage when your tights are digging in to your waist. Ugh. Anyway, anyway. Okay, so New York Times, when I was away, the ethicist, you know, I love the ethicist, right? And we talk about what this guy, what he, what his advice is, you know, Kwame, Anthony Apaya, whatever, he's like a, whatever, he's the, um, what is he, theology or philosophy teacher at NYU, professor, and he gives his opinion, you know, you know I love this, right? And then I tell you what I think, so. <laughs> so, here was the question in the magazine that I saved when I was in France. It's, I have it here. This guy, the title of the, the, the question, he learned, this guy, so he learned he fathered a daughter when he was in his mid-20s, and the, he had a, with his girlfriend, and his girlfriend never told him, and then she moved away, and she raised the baby on her own, and fast forward to now, the guy, you know, I don't know, 25 years later, 30 years later, uh, gets a phone call from his ex-girlfriend, right, from his girlfriend, the mother of this child, and says, I wanted to let you know that we had actually a baby. I was pregnant and I, I, you know, when I moved away, I raised the baby on my own. And um, would you be, in, and he wanted, and she, the mother said to him, do you have any genetic things going on with you? I'm just curious about her future health, blah, blah, blah. The, the dad, you know, the new, the new surprised dad that now has like a 25 year old um, said no. And and the mother and then the mother said, well, would you want to meet her? And he said he would be open. He spoke about it with his wife, and he said yes, they would they would be interested in meeting her and you know having a relationship with her. Okay, that's the first part of the question. Second part of the question is the mother called the father back and said, girlfriend called the boyfriend and said, um, I changed my mind. I actually don't want you to meet her. She's working. She has her. She's like early starts in her career. She's living in Europe. She's thriving. It's probably going to be too upsetting for her. Blah blah blah. And the question to the ethicist was, you needed the backstory. You always need the backstory. The question was, the father wrote in and said, um, I just found out I had this child. Should I reach out? Should I reach out? The mother now said, no. Um, <clears throat> he also said he feels it's unethical to keep this a secret now that he knows that he has a daughter. And he said, and part of the reason why they broke up 25 years ago was because he felt this woman kept a lot of stuff secret from him and was shady and maybe like lied a little bit some shit like that the ethicist's advice was is that he should yes it's his child too take into consideration the impact this news could have on this girl but he should reach out and he should tell her i am actually a real father real father now by the by I forgot the small detail. The mother told the daughter that her new husband, so the mother went on and got married, right, to some guy. She told the daughter that the new husband, this was her dad. So this girl in Europe, this 25-year-old girl, thinks that this mother, um, her mother, her biological mother, and her mother's husband is her biological father. She has no idea. So the ethicist said, yes, you should reach out to the girl, take care of the, you know, pay attention to the fact that how it's going to affect the girl and her relationship with her mother, you know, because she might go back and say, you're a lawyer, you get this, you that, but it's your child too, and you have a biological right. Let me tell you uh, what I think of that. I, you know what? My advice would be, 
if the, the girl, the adult child, 25 years old, if she contacts you, I think you should be prepared. And I think you should be prepared. And I think that you should have a relationship with her, whatever capacity she wants, you want. And I think you should be prepared. I also think that he should, the father, should, you know, make some arrangements in his will or whatever he has and leave her something, you know, and, and, and put her address or the mother's address so she'll get it after he passes. I know that's like the craziest thing that I'm saying, but I think that he should do that. It's his child. I also think he should write some letters to this child that he doesn't know and um, about how he found out about the news and who she is to him or what he what, what she missed, how old he was when she was maybe born, what he had going on in his life, his job, maybe family pictures. Put her name and address, again, mother's address on them, seal them and give them to her if she contacts him. I do not think that he should actively contact this girl. It's going to ruin her fucking world. That's what I think. I think it's going to ruin her freaking world. Here's this. Can you imagine if you're a 25-year-old girl living in Europe and working and you think you have a mom and a dad just in, you know, wherever. They didn't say where they were. I don't know. You say you had a mother and a father in Pennsylvania. And uh, all of a sudden, this man comes out of the fucking woodwork and says, by the way, I'm your father and everything you knew is not true. I mean... This girl is going to go bananas. Her whole reality is going to be questioned. I think it's a bit, is it, I think it's a bit self, well, let me say, let me finish. I think it's a bit selfish of him to reach out to her at this stage. I think it's crazy selfish of the mother to not have told him earlier on. Sure. I, I, I do. I think it's crazy and I think it's selfish. She should have told him, but she didn't. Um, what, I, I, You've lived this long without knowing you have a daughter. Um, so make the changes in your life for when she comes around, you and your wife together. Make the changes in your life. Write these letters. Let her. So if she comes to you, not only does she know that you just found out recently or whenever she comes, if she ever comes, you she reads these. She can read letters that you wrote her. She can see pictures of her biological relatives. She could know that there was this. There's another person who's her biological father who cares about her and loves her, and wants to have a relationship. And and she, he he could hand these all to her and then let it be to, for her to read them. Um, and I think that, again, I think that he should make some arrangements to maybe help her out financially. Whatever, I think. If I got that phone call, I would be so, oh my God, the Michigas that would go on in my head would be unreal. Her whole, this girl, the, her whole reality is question, <clears throat> is in question. I, 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 I would, I would just, ugh. sometimes, it, like, you know, the point of that, that, that column, it, it, you know, it, is it ethical? Like, the ethical answer is, I mean, yes, every person deserves to know the truth, right? Like every person knows to know, deserves to know the real truth. But you have to sometimes factor in how people are going to feel, you know? Anyway, I don't, that's the problem with that column. That's my problem with that column. Anyway, okay, product of the week. Okay, when I was in Paris... I went to the pharmacy. Now, the French pharmacies are known for their beauty products. 
when I would go to Paris for work or when I went with the tooth and blah, blah, um, it was, Amazon was, it wasn't what it is right now. We were, we were still obviously living in a very global economy. The internet was around. Hello, this is not the Stone Age. It was only like five years ago, six, seven, 10, 11 years ago. But um, it was more thrilling to go to a French pharmacy then and be like, oh, what can I find? What kind of beauty products? What kind of creams, lotions, and potions? Or the French women who don't get fat. By the way, read that book if you haven't. Um, what are they using? I'm going to get it and bring it home. Now you can get all this stuff on Amazon. But I want to tell you about the products the one product that I really love that I I uh, found when I was there, and you can get all these on Amazon. Um, my favorite product was uh, the pharmacist recommended. My hands were so dry. Claudelie Vino Therapist Hand and Nail Cream. It's a purple tube. Um, it smells gorgeous. You smell, it has like a light smell. Like to me, it smells like what an elegant French woman would smell like. And uh, I I got the, the hand lotion there and I was using it and I loved it. That is my product of the week. I You can buy it on Amazon. I, I didn't know at the time. I should have did a check. I didn't. I just bought it and that was it. Um, I think I paid like $25 for it. it. It's euros. Maybe 20 euros I paid, I think. I don't know, 21, 25, I don't know. Now, it's on Amazon. I, I think it's $18. I mean, come on. Other products though... Again, I bought there that you can get. I wanted to just tell you them. Homeoplasmine, it's like an aquaphor. It comes in a tube. A lot of people use it on their dry, dry lips. But it is, it's like an aquaphor, just so you know. You can use it on your hands if your hands are very rough and dry. Just know it's going to be a little sticky, but it absorbs. So aquaphor stays a little sticky kind of after you put it on. This homeoplasmine, it, it does absorb. I used it this morning biophene emulsion cream it's a white tube biophene's written big um on the tube it is uh for burns and abrasions like cuts or whatever i think i don't know i think it's oh, something in my eye i think it's like the equivalent ish of our neosporin i did i bought a tube of that there i also bought a tube of that homeoplasmine and i bought the chlordelay um again all these are on sale. Uh, on all, all these are on Amazon. What I didn't buy in France, but I use and they they love is this product. I don't know if you know it. Uh, Nukes N U X E, and uh, it's called Reve or Rev Demil. It basically like translates into dream honey, right? And the product that I love by this Nukes, I might have mentioned it in the years of the podcast in products of the week. It's a a dry oil spray that has the most fabulous, marvelous smell. I I love this smell. Again, it's a light, elegant smell. Like you just smell like you just walked off the Champs-Élysées and like you're going into a cafe for a burgundy and like, I don't know, some Coco Vaughn. This is how I feel like I smell when I wear this. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not eating the whole cocoa van. I'm only eating um a quarter of it because I imagine that's how the French women eat. So anyway, I love this dry oil spray. I love it. Um, they sh they they do sell a shimmery version. I don't buy the shimmer. Um, it's just a dry oil spray. After I get out of the shower, I'll spray a little on my upper arms. Uh, sometimes on my my neck, my chest. I I love it. 
Um, but I didn't buy it there because it comes, you know, it's a glass square. It has a spray thing. Can you imagine if that opened and spilled everywhere in my luggage? I would die. But that uh, uh, that Nukes uh, Rev de Mille they had in the hotel as the little products. So I took, you know, they're there to take. Come on. Uh, the hand lotion and they had a bunch. So, I, you know, of course I took them and I, I love it. I love it. They have a hand cream. I have it in my pocketbook now in my thing. But that's, those are the products. You you should check out, though, the Claudelay, the purple tube. You know, it's funny. Um, when the holidays come, I never know what to get people. You know, like particularly women. Like, for example, you know, like someone's mother, if you want to buy them a gift. Like your mother-in-law. You never know what to get. I think that men and, I mean, women, excuse me, and men, as they get older, everybody loves a good hand cream. Everybody loves to go into L'Occitane and buy. I mean, I love to go in L'Occitane and I buy one of those tubes, you know, this metal tube, the hand cream. I love that. And something about the metal tube, I just feel like it's even better. You know, when it comes out, you can roll, you can roll the, roll the, the edge, roll it up, you know, when it's, when it's getting low. I love to take the cap with the metal little pokey thing and poke poke the, the, the cream open when you first open it. But there's a lot of really great creams out there and you don't have to spend. Did I tell you, and hold on, I gotta fix my headphones. I I I knew this person or this friend, I can't remember who it was, it was an acquaintance, said to me a couple years ago, I I would never, I mean, I can't even almost say this with a straight face. Like, I, I, I almost feel bad for them. I could never buy uh, drugstore beauty products. Only count. I said, do you know how insane you sound? You can't buy drugstore beauty. Who the hell made you Queen of Sheba? Is that even what, is that right? Well, uh, who the hell made you Queen Elizabeth? <laughs> All right, bad example. She's dead. You know what I mean? You can't buy drugstore beauty. Get over yourself, you snob. You know how many fabulous beauty products there are right on in the aisle of CVS or Target? And the same in France. You go to all these pharmacies, and it's like a treasure trove. You think I should go have schlepped to Bon Marche, Le Bon Marche, and, and, and spend $90 on a cream? You know, I'm directing this to the person. That's not in my living room right now. <laughs> it's insane. It's insane. Listen, I, using Aquaphor, Vaseline, cocoa butter, VO5, Suave, a little mousse, a pick, a good comb, a, an aerosol hairspray, using that shit alone, you come out looking like a star. These people are nuts. These people are nuts. But these these are my beauty product picks from the pharmacy in France with the emphasis on the Claudelet Vino Therapist hand cream and that Nukes um, dry oil spray. And this is coming from somebody that has oily, uh, sensitive skin. Okay, okay. We got to wrap up. Quote of the day by Shirley, Shirley, by, quote of the day by Shirley Chisholm. If they don't give you a seat at the table... Bring yourself a folding chair. 
that's all I'm going to say. Stay tuned for next time. I got a lot of TV talk to do. I've watched a lot of shows recently. While the girls were sleeping in Paris, I got, oh my God, some great, some dreck. But I love to talk to you. I love to love your baby. And I will talk to you soon. If I don't speak to you before Christmas, have a good Christmas. I don't know if I'm going to speak to you by Hanukkah because Hanukkah is like, it's like tomorrow. So happy Hanukkah for those who are celebrating. Happy everything. Talk to you soon. Love to love you, baby. Thank you.